Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. The story begins with me and my best friend, when we were both 14. We were exploring an abandoned water tower in the middle of an empty, small airfield surrounded by woodland. Thinking about it now, we were definitely trespassing, as there were yellow warning signs on the fences. However, we didn't seem to care at the time. Living close to the tower meant we could escape pretty quickly if we faced any danger. We observed the tower from afar a couple of times before making our way into the abandoned field. There was debris from the building all over the ground. We were hoping to find something interesting, so we started scanning through the broken tiles, bits of china plates, and rubble. Then we heard the laughter of a young child coming from the tower and the nearby woods. When we slowly approached the tower, the laughter stopped. And when we started heading away from it, it started again. This happened a couple of times, as if someone or something was playing with us. Eventually, it started to get dark, so we headed back home and arranged to meet the following day after school to explore again. However, this time, things took an eerie turn. Once again, we hopped through the gap in the fence and were making our way across the field and around the building scanning each part carefully. All of a sudden, in the distance, we noticed a person making their way in our direction. Our hearts stopped. We paused in fear. We never saw another soul here before. What if it's the police and they know we're trespassing, my friend said. So I grabbed her arm and we ran into some bushes to hide. We then ran into the small woodland and observed the person from afar hoping we can just quietly move through the bushes the opposite way and out through the fence without being seen. As we were moving to the exit, my friend and I took a glance at this person. It was a man wearing what appeared to be a green-looking outfit, holding himself up on what looked like wooden crutches, and he was limping. We jumped through the slit in the fence and took a last glance, but he was gone. We ran home, puzzled with confusion for the next couple of days. We kept talking about the strange encounter and both agreed to do some research. We discovered that the building was not only a water tower, but in fact, a hospital, treating over 450 wounded soldiers during World War II. So yes, I do believe that that day, my friend and I witnessed one of those soldiers making their way to the hospital for help. As of now, I still live in the same area. However, the tower no longer stands. A housing estate has been built on top of the field instead. 
I wonder if any of the new homeowners experience anything paranormal. My lovely nephew Flynn is almost two and a half and is a very sensitive little boy. It doesn't take a lot to upset him or for him to throw a tantrum, but I guess he's a typical two-year-old, and that's inevitable. Recently, not just me, but also my parents have picked up on how much older he seems for his age. He is half Thai, so he's bilingual, and he talks to his mother in Thai but English to his dad, who is my brother as well as us. He articulates very well for a child of his age and surprised me when he looked at the word back, B-A-C-K, and pronounced it out loud. My sister-in-law said that they were in bed the other day and Flynn grabbed her face and stared at her. He then said, I'm looking at the pigment of your lips. She even asked us what that word means because she had never heard it before and doesn't have a clue where he could have heard it or even seen that word. What really made me wonder if he has a psychic ability is when I was looking after him for a few hours last week and I put a movie on and sat with him on the couch. He turned to me and pointed above my lip very specifically with his finger and said, Taylor hurt. I asked him what he meant. He didn't answer and carried on watching the movie. So I looked in the mirror, but I didn't see anything at all. My sister looked and felt fine, but later that day, all of a sudden, this large pimple came up out of nowhere, right where he had pointed. It was very painful, like one of those deep red pimples that are sensitive and hurt when you touch them. I feel Flynn is an old soul and is very connected to the other side with the stuff that he's coming out with lately. It's very interesting, but a little freaky. I haven't had an overwhelming amount of experiences that I can't explain, but this one will always stand out to me. For some important context, during my duration of schooling, I was a massive nerd. I truly love learning, so I hardly ever miss school, unless I was actually very sick. This is important to the story, I promise. This took place during my sophomore year of high school. Aside from being a nerd, you could also say I was a bit of a goth. My best friend at the time was also best friends with a girl I couldn't stand to be around due to the company she kept, namely two neo-Nazi kids. They were kind of like the old cartoons where there was a big dumb dog and a small angry dog who was the unequivocal leader. I always got the impression that the larger kid was just along for the ride because he didn't really have any other friends. I was very open about my distaste for them and their horrible beliefs from day one. There was one day in particular where they were picking on a very small girl in the quad who was just quietly reading to herself. They kept calling her all sorts of awful racial slurs. I have a hard time standing up for myself, but it's always been easy for me to defend others. 
So naturally, I got in between the shitheads and their innocent target. I told the leader to pick on me if he wanted to pick on someone a little closer to his own size. They both just scoffed and walked off. A week later, the leader tried to trip me down the concrete stairs, but the joke was on him because I've always been a klutz, so I was very used to catching myself when I was falling. I simply glared at him and went about my day. It was quiet for some time after this. I just stopped hanging out with my bestie when she was around them. I began to settle in more with my group of nerd friends. About a month or so after the stairs incident, I woke up for school one day with an overwhelming urge to stay home. I asked my mom if I could skip school that day, and oddly enough, she agreed. I think she assumed I needed a mental health day or something, since I never missed classes. I happily went about playing video games and enjoying my me time. A few hours later, I got a call from one of my friends. She's a bit panicked and asks if I'm okay. I just said, yeah, I didn't feel like going to school today, so I didn't go. She then informs me that not long after school had started, the neo-Nazis had been caught with a shotgun and a handgun. They had been found out because they were apparently showing the guns off to some other friends, who then ratted them out to security. The leader ended up getting expelled, while his friend was only suspended since it was clear to everyone who the instigator always was. His friend completely changed after that, grew out his shaved head, and stopped wearing his classic neo-Nazi uniform of sorts. He never even made eye contact with me after that, and if he did, it was very sheepish. He never bothered me again. I don't know what happened to the leader after that. I hope he changed his hateful ways, but I know, just know in the pit of my stomach, that they were waiting for me to get to school that day. I don't know who or what stopped me from going, but I'm forever thankful. I live in southern Georgia, about an hour outside of Savannah. For reference, the area I used to live in when this event took place was straight-up country far apart from neighbors and fields for miles. The most I usually see is a deer or rabbits out here, so it's uncommon for me to see anything weirder than that. Anyways, this time was different. I was driving home after dropping off my girlfriend for a shift later in the day. This was the time of year when it got dark at around 5.30pm. Since she worked about 40 minutes away from where we lived, I got back to the house at around 6.30 or 7pm. It was pitch black, and as I pulled down the long dirt road that leads to the farmhouse, I see something dart across the path. I slammed on my brakes, thinking it was a deer, but it was too small to be a deer. It looked to be running the way a human would run if they were to run on all fours. So strange. I shrugged it off at the time and continued down the path towards the house when it happened again. This time I turned off the road into a patch of grass that I normally park in a little ways from the house. When my car turned and the headlights followed, there it was, illuminated in the amber lights of my car. It was hunched over. It looked to be holding something in its mouth. 
It had a very hollow face with round and dark eyes that looked like buttons. There were these ears or horns going down either side of its face, framing it. It was terribly skinny with its bones showing. Its back legs looked like a dog's, but had human-like arms and front legs, I guess. I do not know how tall it was, as I never got out of the car until it was completely gone, but it was nearly halfway up my front bumper, hunched over. I didn't know what to do. I froze there, not even stopping to put the car in park or anything. The creature also froze, staring at me for what felt like forever until, eventually, it ran off into the woods next to the house. I immediately put the car in park and shut it off. I contemplated investigating a little, but I chose to stay alive instead. I ran straight for the house and sketched out what I saw, then called my girlfriend to try and explain. I sent her the picture that I did, and she agreed that it was creepy and didn't want to stay there that night. But we did anyway. Just made sure to double-check all of the doors. I don't know if it was some kind of goblin or other cryptid that's been identified, but I've researched and haven't really found anything quite like what I saw. We have since dubbed the creature Buttons for its dark round eyes, but feel free to name away. It all started back in 2018 when I was 10 years old, but these activities feel like they happened yesterday. Me and my brother, who was about one at the time, would love to play games and do other stuff, but due to paranormal activities, spending time was interrupted by weird things. Before my family and I moved into the house, seven people lived there. Four died inside the house, and each of them in different rooms. Two died in my brother's room, one died in my room, and another in the bathroom. The house was built a long time ago, and the people who lived there stayed until they died, and apparently stayed after they died. We could tell they stayed due to interactions they had with my brother and the rest of us. My brother, who again was only one at the time, would save a seat on the couch and walk down the hallway with his hand in a fist and up in the air like he was holding someone's hand, while demanding the words, Come on, Mo, to someone behind him. The neighbors were related to the people who used to live there, so my parents got worried and started to ask them questions about the history of the house. They were told that a man named Mo died in my brother's room. This was shocking at first, because my brother was making friends with ghosts. Also, it was said that Mo never had children due to sickness. This wasn't the only crazy thing that happened in the house. The blinds would open on their own in the morning. Doors, cabinets, and the refrigerator would open and shut. Mo was never scary. He was like an invisible guardian who looked over me and my brother. My family and I sort of got used to having Mo around. He never hurt anyone, so he was okay. Eventually, we had to move away, causing separation between us and Mo. 
as we were getting ready to leave the house for the last time, my brother looked out the window and said, Bye, Mo. Those words never left my head, and probably never will. Here's a little backstory, so bear with me. September 11th has always haunted me. It changed who I was as a child, and I truly believe it altered who I became. No, I did not have any loved ones that perished, and I did not live in New York. I know that part of the impact on me was what I saw after the fact. Now, my community had a large Muslim population, and a mosque was being built down the street when 9-11 happened. Construction stopped, and the Muslim community was told that it was just safer to wait a couple of months and they could get back to it once things settled. Thanks to the rich, powerful, ignorant people in charge, a few months turned into four years. Not only were we attacked, not only were we entering a war that would define much of my generation, but innocent people all around me were living in fear. We were acting like victims, but I was seeing that we were very capable of becoming villains. There was one other thing that contributed to my overall anxiety and confusion. A dream. I used to think that I had this dream the night before the attack, but honestly, it was likely a few nights prior. So I wake up, or rather, appear, as dreams go, on a plane. Not a commercial airliner, but some massive plane, without seats. In retrospect, it was some kind of cargo plane. I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't know what they looked like. In my little mind, it was just a really big plane that had no seats. A large group of people were crying and screaming, holding onto ropes or straps or something as the plane swayed back and forth. There were a few boxes that slid back and forth on the plane as well. It felt more like being on a large ship on a rough ocean. Before I was even done processing what I was seeing, a man among the terrified people noticed me. He yelled something at me, but was speaking in a language I didn't recognize. Everyone then turned around and yelled at me as well. Not angry yells, they were desperate. They were pleading with me for something. They let go of what they were holding and started flying around the plane, all of them attempting to get closer to me. Women held out their babies, clearly trying to get me to take them. I was speechless. I said something along the lines of, I'm just a kid, I can't take your baby. It made no sense, because here I was, stuck with them on this terrifying flight. Where was I supposed to take their kids? How could I be of any help? Clearly, we were all in trouble. Around the time when I attempted to explain that to one of the women pushing their children at me, I looked up and noticed this large window had appeared. I could see the skyline of a city. It was night, and the lights were bright and beautiful. But even at that age, I knew that we were flying far too low. The plane made a sharp turn, throwing everybody asunder again. Despite the fact that we were clearly about to hit this building, they continued to plea, like they thought I could magically poof out of there. Right as we made impact, I woke up. 
It definitely was a scary nightmare, but none of it felt like some horror story my mind could come up with. Nothing was familiar. Not the plane, not the language, not the people, not the concept of flying a plane full of people into a building. It was vivid and odd enough, though, that it stuck with me. One morning, shortly after, my dad woke me up. Get up. You're about to see history. I remember him saying. I was annoyed because it definitely was not my time to get up yet, but I obliged. I walked into the living room to find my mother, her face twisted in horror, crying in front of the TV. I looked over at the screen to see the Twin Towers standing there with fire pouring out of them. Before I had a chance to ask about what happened, the first one collapsed. My mother screamed and I turned to my dad to ask what happened. We're being attacked by terrorists. I didn't know what that meant yet. They used planes to crash into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. I also didn't know what that was. I remembered going to the towers for vacation one year. It was shocking to see them as they were. Suddenly, I remembered my dream. For months, I grappled with the meaning of my dream. Could this be a coincidence? The dream did, after all, have more differences than similarities to what happened. In fact, the only similarity was that my dream plane and the real planes hit buildings while carrying seemingly innocent people. When I told some of my friends about my dream, I got mixed reactions. Some people thought that I was full of it. Some people were convinced that it was some kind of crazy future premonition. Others felt like me. Yes, it's crazy, but did it really mean anything? Over the course of the next 20 years, the dream still came back on every anniversary. Just a fleeting memory. It did still make me feel uneasy, but with passing time, I had decided it was just a crazy coincidence and I was foolish for letting it get to me. In 2021, we officially pulled out of Afghanistan. I cried and cried because this war had been constant for nearly my whole life. People I know and love had sacrificed their time, sanity, and lives. All for what? Eventually, a documentary came out about the pullout of Afghanistan. People desperately trying to make it to the plane. Mothers handing soldiers their babies. And people falling to their death in a last failed attempt to flee were on in a loop. Near the end, they just started showing pictures of the people that were able to get out. Suddenly a picture pops up. In a massive military cargo plane, rows of people sat on the floor, straps covering them like seatbelts. I felt the color drain from my face and I immediately ran and vomited. The people from that old bizarre nightmare were there, staring blankly at me on a plane from my nightmare. There were no ifs, ands, or buts about it. One woman in particular looked familiar. I knew I had seen her before. I felt her eyes searing through me from a photograph. Clearly, it was all in my head, but it felt like they saw me and were looking at me specifically. A look of people accepting a fate that their dream selves had tried to warn me about 20 years ago. A double premonition? I don't know. I do now know that this dream will never be done for me. It always lingers, like the images of those two towers, like the face of that woman, like the overwhelming, irrational, burning guilt that sits with me. I've never told anyone about the picture before, not even my husband. 
If people had a hard time believing my dream the first time, they certainly would lock me away this time. I wish 12-year-old me had superpowers and could have put a stop to all of the misery my dream may or may not have predicted. The guilt that I feel about that not being an option will haunt me for the rest of my life. I know it's irrational, but the heart feels what it feels, and maybe I'm beginning to understand why that fateful event has such a hold on me. Let me preface this by saying that I'm a complete skeptic. I do not buy into ghosts or ghouls or anything of that nature. My husband's family, on the other hand, believes that his grandmother's house is haunted. They have all experienced things over the years. The radio changing stations unexpectedly, orbs floating around inside the home that can't be explained away as dust particles, and little kids talking to the ceiling pointing up at seemingly nothing. There are a few relatives who even refuse to stay the night because they're convinced there are spirits in the house. I've never paid any mind to their stories and always laugh them off until the Christmas of 2017. We live 600 miles away, so when we visit during the holidays, we've always stayed with my mother-in-law, but when our twins were born, we spent their first Christmas at the grandmother's house because there was more room and it just made sense. These were the first great-grandchildren born since she'd passed two years earlier. My husband was especially close to her, and her death was really hard on the entire family. As our twins were only six months old at the time, they did what babies do and woke up during the night. During my shift at 3 a.m., our boy woke up, so I took him into the living room to try to get him settled. The way the living room was set up, the recliner faced the TV mounted over the fireplace. In the corner to the right of the fireplace sat the most hilarious Christmas tree you can imagine. It was a silver tinsel tree that was only about two feet high. It had a big multicolored star on top that lit up, and it sat on a corner table as the sole Christmas decoration in the house. My son wanted nothing to do with settling down. He was sitting on my lap, facing me, giving me a gummy grin and babbling. All of a sudden, he threw up his arms as if there was someone behind my right shoulder and he wanted to go to them. I looked behind me, thinking perhaps my husband had gotten up, but no one was there. I put his arms down and started talking to him, but he continued looking behind me and threw up his arms again as if reaching for someone. I'm not going to lie, I was a little freaked out. He eventually stopped, and I continued to try to get him back to sleep. Then, out of nowhere, the star on top of the Christmas tree started blinking. There was no discernible pattern to it. It would blink on and off for a long period, rapidly back on and off. It did this for several minutes, long enough for me to get my phone out and start recording. Just typing this out gives me chills all over again. The next morning, I showed everyone my video. They were convinced and seemingly unconcerned 
that it was the grandmother coming to visit her newest great-grandchildren. I tried to find any explanation I could to explain it away. I plugged and unplugged the star and walked all around the floor to see if somehow some weight shifting could have caused it to happen, even though I was the only one awake and a good ten feet away from it. And more importantly, all during Christmas Day, it never blinked once. It stayed steady and on the entire day into the evening. I honestly don't know how to explain it. It's the only experience I've ever had that I can't find a logical explanation for. It's also somewhat comforting to think that my babies could see their great-grandmother, whom they never got a chance to meet in person. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I've lucid dreamed plenty of times, but never intentionally. A couple of months ago, after listening to one of your episodes with you guys talking about it, I was dreaming, and then very quickly realized I was in a dream. I was in the back of a truck with some friends. Nothing crazy. It just suddenly hit me that I was dreaming. I don't recall physically waking up, but I must have slipped back into actual dreaming. I was then in a small town, and I walked into this diner slash bar, and you two were there, and I was telling you about the truck lucid dream. Then it hit me again that I was dreaming. So I stood up and started walking the town and came to this darker part with what looked to be abandoned apartments. I was still lucid, and I decided that I didn't like the way this area of my dream felt. So I turned around to leave it. The next thing I know, there's this woman beside me saying, He's coming. Don't let him know you're awake. This creeped me out, so I started trying to wake myself up. But I couldn't. Then there's this mass of people just running from something dark. I lay on the ground and kept telling myself it was a dream and to just wake up. But I couldn't. I felt stuck. Eventually, I must have slipped back into actual dreaming. I was in a futuristic city with flying cars and everything. But then I became aware again that I was dreaming. Again, a person on the street in my dream kept telling me not to let him know I was awake. And I had a very foreboding feeling as if some dark presence was searching for me. Yet, I couldn't wake myself up. This happened a couple more times before I finally woke up for the day. Any ideas on if there's some dark dream presence? It was definitely still in a dream. It didn't feel like sleep paralysis. Back in 2006, I was on the family computer on MySpace in the dining room with just the computer light on while my mom was in the living room with just the TV on, but she had fallen asleep on the couch. I was trying to fix my profile, minding my business, but I felt like someone was next to me or just staring at me and I could feel their presence. 
it was weird. So next thing you know, I look to my right and I see a black figure of a boy, almost like a teenager, just standing there. Perhaps even more weird was that he had what can best be described as fog formed around him. It didn't look like a grown man. He looked younger, about 13. He was looking at the computer with me, almost surprised that I could see him or something, because when I turned to the right, he had moved his head as well. It was just so bizarre. My body couldn't move after that. I was in shock. I yelled, Mom, there's a ghost next to me. I saw him run off. The fog even moved with him while he was running. I finally was able to get up and turn all the lights on. My mom woke up and was kind of confused. I sat down and told her there was a ghost next to me, watching me when I was on the computer. She wasn't surprised at all, because there was another incident when she was in my room and walked away to go downstairs. But a few seconds later, she walked back into my room and asked, What happened? I didn't know what she meant, so I asked her. She then said, You tapped my shoulder when I was going down the stairs. And I told her I'd been in my room the whole time and never walked out the door. So she just kind of knew someone or something else was in that house that we couldn't explain. I didn't feel threatened or scared. I was more in shock that something was right next to me. In this same house, I've heard people talking in the basement when no one was down there. My dad even thought he heard my brothers running down the stairs one late night, only to find out we were all sleeping. I have more stories for another time. I just think that house had a lot of different energy. At times, I wouldn't even go inside if I knew no one else was home. Nine stories in this episode. I can't believe that that's the most we've had. They're all mostly on the shorter side, but I like how much variety we have this week. We have children's sensitivity to the paranormal, some ghostly sightings, inexplicable intuition potentially saving somebody's life, and of course, some dreams. I think all we're missing is a sleep paralysis demon. If we had that, this is the episode that Costco could stream on their website. Yeah, this is the perfect uh, introduce your friends to what Odd Trails is episode. Send this over to them. The uh, the gifted children is always something that I've been interested in. Taylor Page's story specifically about that child in that story. It was it reminded me of. Do you remember the Starseed Children or Indigo Children? Indigo Children, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really cool phenomena that we heard a lot about, but then it just kind of like dropped off. I remember reading stories about them all the time. They were showing up in podcasts. Um, it's so if, for those of you that don't know, uh, I'm mostly familiar with the term starseed children, but I guess they're also referred to as indigo crystal and rainbow children. It's a very new age or spiritual concept and it sort of deals with metaphysics. It's basically the belief that certain people, usually children have a soul that I guess originates from a different star system or even a planet rather than being born here on earth. Some people believe that they've volunteered to be born on Earth so that they can fulfill some kind of prophecy, purpose, or mission, or whatever. 
I find it really interesting. Um, from the stories that I've heard in the past, they have these really weird abilities, like enhanced intuition and psychic abilities. They're like X-Men kids, basically. Yeah, I was thinking of X-Men and then the kids from The Matrix yeah. that are waiting in the Oracle's apartment, yeah. Yeah, that movie I haven't really watched yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just smile and nod. <laughs> sure, absolutely. I, I do that in conversations sometimes, especially if you're like, at a bar or a party or a show and there's the guy that's just really latched on to you that really wants to talk about movies and he calls them films <clears> and you just kind of like nod along and he's like, yeah, how about this movie? And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you own this record? And they just don't pick up on your body language that you're just trying to get out of it. <laughs> and the worst is when you're too nice to politely say, I am not feeling it right now. And you see, you still ask those open-ended questions like, Oh, really? So how did that affect you? What did you do then? And you're just like, can this please stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I need to dig it up. But I do recall reading a story about a kid that could remember his life on this old ship sailing the seas, probably like 1600s, 1700s, maybe. That sounds really familiar, actually. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah. He recalled like being married, talked about his life in detail, mm -hmm. basically details that no kid should be able to recount. And he was using language and words that kids just don't do or use. Um, he even talked about like his death. And if I can find the link, I'll post it to the Patreon. I'm sure I'll find it because now I'm going to obsess over it all day. Uh, so you guys can check that out. I remember one about this kid who would explain things about airplanes, like intricate parts of an airplane. And he was apparently like some World War II pilot. And it was weird. I remember that one too. Yeah, yeah we were listening yeah. to the same podcasts during this time. Mm -hmm. We had to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, somehow they're able to like corroborate these kids' stories and confirm details. It just, it's completely unbelievable. And there are so many different parties that get involved. And there's so much research that's been done on this, even though there's no real scientific papers about it. There's still just so much corroboration. It's really convincing, at least it is to me. But yeah, there are indigo, crystal, rainbow children, and they're all associated with different traits. It makes me wonder if there's any potential past life that's intermingled there. I think it's connected in some way. I think that people that have past life experiences, maybe they are starseed indigo children. Maybe that's what this right. whole thing is. They've chosen to be born as a human. You know, maybe it's kind of like reincarnation when you die, you can choose to come back or you can choose to go into another dimension another existence i don't know it's it's all cool to sit and think about though there's a lot of interesting stories out there to dive into in fact philip k dick allegedly claimed to be one of these star people and they've influenced his books i don't know if that's totally true i read it it's probably like a wikipedia article or something but i find that interesting i think philip k dick is He's one of my favorite authors, even though I've never actually read his books. I've, <laughs> I've, you know, watched the movies based on his books and stuff and some of the coolest stories. You respect his authorship. Yeah. So I've just got to say, I can't believe that one bully only got suspended for having that gun at school. What the hell? Only a suspension. Seriously. Yeah, the other one got expelled because I guess he was the ringleader. But holy crap, if, if you got a gun at school, that's more than a slap on a wrist. You get suspended for cheating on a test or punching somebody in the face, not for bringing a gun. Yeah, I've seen kids get expelled for way less than that. And the fact that the school didn't take action against these horrible kids. But I'm glad that the author got out alive. You have my respect, fellow gothy nerd person, as you self-proclaimed. So Chupacabra is exactly what I thought of for Casablanco's story when they talked about that creature that they saw driving at night. Mm. It 
sounded exactly like a chupacabra. It had the unexplained size, but it had these big button eyes that kind of threw a little bit of cuteness in there in my mind when I was imagining <laughs> the creature. Yeah. So yeah, they're from Georgia. And the only thing that I could find about Chupacabra was there was a sighting a while back, maybe a few years ago, and there's a picture of it. Somebody thought that it might be a Chupacabra, but there are others saying that it's probably just a coyote with mange. And I'll send you the link. I looked at the picture and it does look like some kind of coyote or animal like that that has mange, which is kind of sad. A lot of the sightings usually end up somewhere like Mexico, hence the name Chupacabra, but they do pop up from time to time as any other cryptid all over the world. But I think that uh, it was probably a Chupacabra that they came in contact with. Nice. I like how the name is literally Goat Sucker. Yeah. I feel like that'd be a really good insult to somebody, maybe like a zoophile or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a cool creature. It's like a vamp. It's like a little vampire coyote with mange, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think of chupacabras as like that dog with the human face to the end of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Remember that one, the 1978 one? Yeah, you know, that thing is awesome. As a kid, that made me really, I was really scared of that. But now as an adult, it's one of the funniest things ever. You guys got to Google the picture of the dog with the human face from Invasion of the Body yeah. Snatchers. It's the best thing ever. I also like in society when that guy, when the dude's dad is like, hey, son, look, I'm an asshole. And he starts like making that face. No, no, no. He doesn't even say that. I think he says I'm a butthead. Oh, that's right. He's like, hey, son, I'm a butthead. Like, blows <laughs> so funny. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge MySpace since it was mentioned in one of the stories. What was your profile like? Did you just go ham with the HTML and try to look really cool and interesting? Or did you leave, the, leave it on default and call it a day? I went back and forth. There were, like, when I was a little, when I was younger, when it first kind of exploded I learned as much as I could about the HTML and that was my thing I always had my favorite song on there spent way too much time on it and then you know as I got a little older I was just like this is silly and I took out all the HTML and just made it a boring old MySpace and then yeah I, I just deleted it at some point and just gave up on it but uh, I had fun with it I, I I still remember all of the HTML garbage that I memorized <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and the CSS, it's really involved. I had already been doing web design a bit before MySpace came along, so once that became a thing, oh man, I loved it. I had I did like custom overlays yeah. where it, w- it wouldn't even look like MySpace. Yeah, I was way into it. <laughs> yeah, I remember people selling those, like you could buy this overlay. And I, I should have done that. <laughs> I remember the ones where people would have those like animated sparkly GIFs with the like SpongeBob or something on there. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. man, it was so much more fun than social media is nowadays. Tweety Bird crossing your arms looking all pissed off. Mm-hmm. Simpler times. <laughs> Walmart t shirts. <laughs> I love it. I have one of two Doberman pinchers from Walmart, and on the top of the shirt, it just says back off in big ACDC oh, font. That's perfect. <laughs> I, I love it so much. Before we go, I do want to touch on Casey's story about their dream. So I'm ashamed that we didn't help Casey traverse the dream world when they when we popped up in their lucid dream. I'm sorry. I know. I feel like a failure. I really do. Yeah. But uh, this is another case of dream characters trying to either convince you that you're not dreaming or in this case, try to convince you to stay quiet about it. It's almost like the characters 
do this in dreams to maybe protect us from some kind of bad thing that's going to happen. Maybe that's why I have all of those characters when I lucid dream that are like, no, you're, you're not dreaming. This is real. They don't want me to know that I'm lucid dreaming. Maybe, maybe it's dangerous. I'm not sure. The only thing I can think of because like religion has been brought up so much in recent episodes is when Jesus would heal people and say, don't tell anybody I did this. Oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Shh. Don't say anything. And then they go and do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they go and tell everybody anyway. That's basically the whole Bible. It's it's like God or Jesus telling people to do or not do something and then them just not listening and not learning their lesson and they continue to do it. It's like the meme of the person putting a stick in the front spoke of their own bike. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Good stuff. Anyways, thanks everybody for listening. This week you have heard The Ghost of a Soldier by Veronica. Interesting Child by Taylor Page, 14. Saved from a Possible Shooting by Rosemarie. What Did I See in the Woods by Queso Blanco. Ghost Story by Andrew Stair. A Dream Within a Dream by Catherine. Ghost of Grandma Past by Crystal. Lucid Dreams Within Lucid Dreams by Casey. And finally, The Black Figure by Brenda. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. And don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want to get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience. And finally, don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts like Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, Welcome to Paradise It Sucks, and the Old Time Radiocast at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out. Peace out.